We know the master. Amen. He's God. He's present in every situation. He's the supplier of every need. Amen. He's here to meet your need today. Whatever your needs you have, God is more than able. If you need healing, he's the healer. If you need peace, he's the peace giver. If you need strength, he's El Shaddai. You can take from the word of God today. He's the breasted God. You got a need in your life today, just reach out to him today and just say, Lord, I need you. Don't pass me by. Amen. I am just addressing you today, wherever you are in your homes. Make your home a church right now. Wherever you are, just surrender your life to God. And in this time, just make this a holy gathering in the presence of Jehovah. Father, we invite you into our midst today. We want to thank you for your goodness and your grace and that your promises never faileth. We love you, Lord, and we thank you that we can come and gather together in your name and worship you and give you the praise and the honor and the glory that is due your great name. We're looking for your anointing today to come down and speak to our hearts and reveal yourself through the word, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you'll bring peace in the midst of the storm. Lord, as we just sang, you're the master of the wind. Lord, you're the the one who makes the rain. We believe that you have made this latter rain in this last day as you pour out your spirit in the final move of the Holy Ghost as he moves across the world. I pray, Lord, that you'll minister the hearts of your children and that you'll speak to them today, wherever they are. Lord, I pray that you'll minister to them. Now bring healing, Lord, to those that are sick. Father, by lifting up thy holy name right now, the name of Jesus, placing it upon our lips, we weaponize that name and send it out against the enemy and command the devil to take his hands off of God's people. And let healing be wrought right now in the name of Jesus Christ. And people set free and delivered. We ask it in Jesus' name. Those without your spirit, God, may they receive it now while they have an opportunity. As we believe, Lord, your Holy Spirit is going out, making one last call. I pray, Lord, that you'll speak and reveal yourself in Jesus' name. Ask, Lord, you'll stop the plague that is going to the land. Lord, that you'll protect and put a wall of fire around every believer throughout the world. Lord, may the Holy Spirit just encase them and guard them right now as the angels of the Lord encamp about those that fear him and delivers them. May you do it, Father. We ask in Jesus' name. Oh, God, may they speedily find, as your prophet would pray, he would pray many times and say, Lord, stop this plague plague of polio getting little children and parents and families suffering Lord he would pray and he would ask those things when plagues were striking in his day Lord we know you're still God and you still answer prayer and you stop the plague of polio you stop the other flus and things that had started and up and brought healing the days of Luther, you stopped the bubonic plague and kept them safe in that time, Lord. You're still God. 
We ask, Lord, that you'll do the same thing for us today. In the name of Jesus Christ, may you anoint men and women out there, Lord, to, to, to find some, some way to help stop this plague. Lord, use it, science and the knowledge of man, all that you can, Father, and all you desire. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Amen. Thank you very much. God bless you. Appreciate the music this morning. Those of you that has come out and, and supporting us here in this time, we so appreciate you being here. Wednesday night, we heard a masterpiece from the Word of God. And um, Brother Timothy ministered, and he said it felt like he was preaching to a thousand. And so uh, come to find out, I think there were over a over a thousand people that was joining us and listening, and so we we know then that God was uh, speaking to hearts, and we uh, really appreciated the anointing which we experienced and felt, and pray that you'll feel that same anointing this morning. Amen. Now, I'm no no stranger to small crowds. I started off preaching to twelve, so you know it's not a it's not a big problem there. But I'm actually not speaking to a small crowd. I'm greeting those right now. Who is, who's meeting together this evening. They're quarantined in India, not being able to have meetings. Over in South Africa, they can meet with 50 or, or less, and so some of them have had service. So we greet Brother Kalen there, and uh, the, the different brothers, the different ones that will be listening in from um, different parts of South Africa, also from Africa, down in Ghana. Uh, those that will be listening there over in Europe, that are joining us right now from uh, different uh, parts over in New York, where that um, pastor wrote me yesterday, and he was in in tears because uh, they weren't able to have church today. Up in Canada, different places, wherever you are, any place in the United States, we're just happy for you to join with us today. So we, um, we greet you in the name of the Lord. And we want you to know as a local congregation that we love you and uh, that we're praying for you. We're asking God to be with you during this time. And if you need anything for us, from us, you know, call us and because we're right there for you. So we really appreciate each one of you. We've got some things on our hearts that we're going to be speaking on today. And um, we will read from Daniel chapter 12 and verse 1. Even if you're gathered in a... In your home today, I pray that you'll just make this a real serious time and and a holy gathering, and uh, that you, at this moment in time, uh, will stand with us now as we read the word from Daniel chapter 12 and verse 1. It's been a scripture that has been a theme on my heart in the last little bit. We've read it several times, but we have another scripture to read again that we'll read um, in Revelation 12 also. But the scripture said, And at that time shall Michael stand up the great prince which standeth for the children of thy people. And there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation, even to that same time. And, that, and at that time thy people shall be delivered, every one that shall be found written in the book. And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. 
But thou, O Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book, even to the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased. And then with me, turn with me to Revelation chapter 12, and we'll read from the seventh verse. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought and his angels and prevailed not. Neither was their place found any more in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out. That old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world, he was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Amen. May God bless you. You can be seated. We're living in a time of, of great trouble. Of course, I, it's not the, the tribulation, the great tribulation, but nevertheless, I believe that we're so close to it right now that we are seeing the looming clouds of tribulations. It's like a storm that's brewing in the distance. We can hear the rolling of the thunder. We can see the lightning flash in the distance. And it's not here yet, but it's coming. I mentioned Wednesday night about what if our youth camp or our services of the past were just fond memories. And I, I tell you, in my heart, I believe that we'll fellowship again. I believe that the things will again come back to somewhat normal again. Perhaps this is merely a dress rehearsal for what is coming. And, uh, but if, I just wanted to say, if you're all shook up, and uncertain about where you, are, where you are in Christ and where you stand in Christ. It's past time that you find an anchor. Amen. Amen. You've got to have an anchor that doesn't depend on others to keep you in the faith. Amen. Amen. If, it's, if this is shaking your faith, well, it's important you get the token while you can. For there will come a time where the Holy Ghost will be gone with a Gentile bride. And, um, you know, I was thinking about the other day about um, the services and, and uh, the blessing that we had and given, having this building that God gave us and um, everything that has been debt free and paid for and we thank God for that. And I was thinking about it, you know, God didn't give us this for it to sit empty, but then again I thought, yeah, he did because I, I plan to leave here. Amen. I, I plan for one day for it to be empty. I just hope nobody, none of you are here. Amen. But you have left too. And one day perhaps it will be nothing but a stark um, a sign or emblem of a people that has left. That have went somewhere mysteriously. But I believe that there's going to be a catching away for the bride of Jesus Christ. Now, as um, things have gone over the last few uh, years, or, or months, rather, it seems like years, uh, time is just drug in the last few days, and, and um, you know, with, with, where it seemed like everything has came down to a very snail's pace, almost, but in these times, there's been floods, I would say floods of quotes um, passed around about viruses and plagues, and Everybody is searching for answers. And this, um, 
This is a great need, I think, as we're looking at times like this. We, we want to see where we're at and what is promised for this hour and for this time and what can we look for and, you know, what is true and what isn't true and what applies and what doesn't apply. And, um, and so today I'm going to be talking about, speaking about enforcing our abstract of title or, you know, how to apply um, the token in this situation, our abstract. And uh, so there, but, um, you know, with these great needs in mind, uh, I can't help but go back a couple of weeks ago um, that I woke up uh, during the night with a, with a certain sudden start, with a very clear mind. You know how it is many times you wake up two, three in the morning and you're, you're foggy-minded, but it wasn't like that. It was really like I, I was very, very clear in my thinking. And um, I was thinking about the, the trumpets and going over them in my mind and the seven trumpets in the book of Revelation. And, and uh, you know, it was just going over different aspects from the seven trumpets around Jericho and when the walls came down, the priests going blowing the seven trumpets there and, and just going over different aspects of the trumpets. And, um, and then a few nights later, it would be probably five, six nights later, I had a dream that I was being asked to teach on the trumpets uh, to some new people. They seemed like new people. But I realized that this new uh, to many, that this is new rather to many, if not most of the message people, because there's been a lot of misunderstandings down through time and listening to the message. And sometimes some people are just now understanding the message. And others have misunderstood. So I, I believe this has to be taught. And so today, it may be a little bit of a difficult subject and maybe a little treacherous in some points, but I think with many believers looking for answer during this time of shaking in the world that, um, and many quotes that are being shared, I thought that I, I would um, speak about some things because how can we enforce our display uh, unless we know what we have or what portion is ours to manifest or display. So we don't want to be trying to enforce or bring to pass something that does not pertain to us. We want, we want, to, um, we want to stand with the word that does pertain to us. So, well, all the Bible pertains to us. No, some of the Bible pertains and speaks of the horror of the book of Revelation. Some of the Bible speaks about the 144,000, which are the Jews. Some of the Bible speaks of the foolish virgins. Some of the people speaks about the, 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 the unbelievers who will, who will be lost. And, and, some, and then there are portions of the word that is to the believer. So in one sense, it's all to us. But in the other sense, there are portions that are especially designated to the bride for this end time. So um, this quote was just sent to me, and I just wanted to use it as an example because um, this was spoke of as a prophecy. And, um, and Brother Branham said this in 1954, 
which is actually before I was even born. And he said, what is cancer? What is a tumor? What, what is a disease? We'll deal on that for the next five minutes now. What is a cancer? What caused that thing? Let's take a cancer or anything you wish to take, tubercular, pneumonia, whatever you wish to, any disease, diseases or germs. And let me pass this on here quickly as our time is going. Listen, did you know the Bible predicts that in the last days there be a germ warfare? That diseases will break out upon the people and will fall out on everyone without the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But with the angel or who had the charge over the plagues was given orders to touch no one on whom the mark was. Why, how much kind of teachers have we got to be, brethren, in order to get, the, to get the church in order to be in that condition, immune? My arms are sore now from where the doctors have punched needles in, tried to inoculate me from yellow fever and so forth. I told them I didn't need it, but they wouldn't listen to me. But I'll tell you what God's going to do. God's got a serum, and it's called the Holy Ghost, and when that serum goes in, it'll inoculate you, hallelujah, in the last days. And he breaks off from there. Now, the point, I wanted to, to get this, the point made in this quote is that we have to believe for divine healing against diseases. Sickness and diseases will come, but we got a remedy. Amen. Because God heals all diseases. But we're not exempt from persecution such as happening in China. And I ask you, wherever you are, to pray for the believers in China right now who are, um, the Chinese government is using this um, virus and they clamp down upon the people to clamp down even harder and shut down all gatherings and all the home churches were that they were kind of meeting under the radar, but it's now all been closed down and People are going to jail. We have three of our brothers right now that are in prison because of, um, you know, somebody was found with a King James Version Bible and, and they looked on their phone and, and researched and found a pastor and they got him in prison and others in prison. And, and it's a very, very, very serious thing because they see this as a foreign influence from, from America, and they're, they're really clamping down on it, and they, they are under very serious consequences. There are Iranian believers in Turkey um, that are they're trying to deport from there, and, and um, it's really serious because they go back to Iran, it's certain imprisonment and probably death. So I ask for you to believe and pray for those believers there. But I just want to say we are not exempt from sickness, cancers, viruses, fevers, but we do have a healer. And just a reminder, none of these diseases are from him. Every one of these diseases are demons. And so what we're having is, is a, 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 an angelic war that is going on right now. And, and it is causing sickness across the world. But um, I want you to understand that this prophecy or this quote that we speak about or just read, it refers to a Bible prophecy. The Bible predicts that in the last day that there will be a germ warfare. 
that diseases will break out upon the people and will fall on everyone without the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But with the angel who had charge over these plagues was given orders to touch no one on whom the mark was. Now, this is a prophecy, but it doesn't happen in our day. It happens in the tribulation period where the 144,000 are sealed. Now, notice in Revelation 9 and 4, and it was commanded them that they should not hurt the grass of the earth, neither any green thing, neither any tree, but only those men which have not the seal of God in their foreheads. So here again, it was, it was permitted to strike. Plagues were permitted to strike those who didn't have the seal. Again, in Revelation 7, this is specifically to Israel. And I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God. And he cried out with a loud voice to the four angels, to whom was given to hurt the earth and to the sea, saying, hurt not the sea, neither or the earth, neither the sea nor the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our God in their foreheads. And I heard the number of them that were sealed, and there was sealed 140 and 4,000 of all the tribes of the children of Israel. So you can see it is Israel that is being sealed. It's not, it's not the Gentiles. The Gentiles, of course, are sealed with the Holy Ghost. But this is... This is um, um, is something that has happened particularly when God is pouring out the plagues. And so when he is pouring out the plagues, these plagues are from God. And when he does pour them out upon the earth to avenge the death of his servants and the, the actions and the activities of the horror and, and all the, all the uh, persecution that has been upon the saints through the ages, and God pours out the vials, he's going to protect his people. But I want you to understand that things such as this coronavirus are just signs of the end time. They're not to be confused with the tribulation plagues. And things will continue to get worse. Amen. As the winds of change come. And I, I don't doubt that, that there are some things that will never be the same. In 9-11, we gave up lots of freedoms here in America. No doubt we'll do the same again as things are tightening. They just gave up a lot of freedoms in China as things tighten down. We're closer than ever to the coming of the Lord. And I, but I'm not sure that we even know how bad things will get. You know, I, I don't think any of us predicted or thought that we'd be speaking to 10 or 12 people and video streaming to everybody else who are now quarantined. You know, this changed so very quickly. And so I, I just want to remind you, you know, if this, if this um, tr troubles you to the point that you're questioning your anchor, go get anchored. Make your call in an election sure. Know where you stand in this hour. Amen. Amen. Because uh, Daniel stood by himself in his day. You can stand, amen, because you have the Holy Ghost in this hour. So, uh, so we don't know how bad things will get. But the reason I spoke the other day about our service becoming a fond memory was not to say this is permanent. I, I plan to have youth camp in 2021. You know, if we're still here, Amen. praise God, I hope we're, our next camp is in heaven. Amen. Amen. But, but I, and I hope um, that, that this will soon pass and we can meet together again as, as we once did. But you see, it is a time of desperation.
as death goes through the land and, and it requires a deep sincerity. You, you must have it to bind the serpent. Amen. And make sure that the blood is on your doorpost. It's the only thing that can rapture you out of here as things get worse because we will escape the things that are coming on the earth. Remember this and hold this for your comfort. Luke chapter 21 verse 32. Take heed to yourselves lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surprise and drunkenness and cares of this life so that day come upon you unaware for as a snare shall it come on all them that dwell on the face of the whole earth and watch ye therefore and pray always that you may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass and to stand before the son of man so I, I want to remind you, it is a time of Laodicea. People's hearts are overcharged with surprise and in drunkenness. And maybe this is a wake-up call for all of us. To be stopped just for a minute and realize what's really, really important. You know, as we have been busy about life and overcharged with, with the cares of this life. And, you know, to the point it's overindulgence, which is what surprise and mean or drunkenness. Where it's not just a, a little wine, but where you're just uh, overtaken by it. And, and the wine of Laodicea and the, the slothful Laodicean spirit. Uh, is apt to get any of us. I guarantee you, when you do get to come back to the house of God, you'll appreciate amen, being able to come. Amen. Rather than saying it's just an option, I can stay home today if I want to, or who cares, and be a, shall I say it, not to offend anybody, but just be a secular Christian or, or secular Baptist about it. Amen. Where it's just an option. It'll be something you say, well, hey, this might be something important. This might be something of value now. And that when I come, that I come and put everything that I got into it. Amen. Because this is, as the Bible said, as a snare. And I tell you, it, this came just like a, a trap. It just closed suddenly. And most of us wasn't prepared for it. You didn't have enough toilet paper. You know, people found themselves in situations that they were unprepared. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's something that we should be prepared. Amen. That we should be ready because we don't know the moment that things was quickly changed. The rapture can take place just like that. I know, I know there are those that are saying, well, certain things have got to be fulfilled. I'm going to show you in the scripture today and by the message that, that, uh, that some of those things you think it's going to be fulfilled are not even applying to the bride of Christ. But uh, anyway, I want to give you a consolation. Brother Branham used this text to preach the rapture from Psalms 27. And he says, the Lord is my light. And my salvation. Remember, this is rapture hour and this is a rapture scripture. He is my light and my salvation. We can't look for governments to save us. We're looking to the Lord to save us. Whom shall I fear? Or shall I say, what shall I fear? Or we can say, whom shall I fear? Because this is a devil. Jesus would call these, these uh, diseases demons. And said, thou devil, come out of the man. Or out of the woman. That spirit of infirmity. He would call them devils. So this is an angelic war. So of whom so shall I fear? 
Uh, the Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes came upon me to eat my flesh, they stumbled and fell. I love that, don't you? Though a host should encamp against me, that's an army. My, my heart shall not fear. The war should rise against me. In this will I be confident. One thing I have desired of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble, he will hide me in his pavilion. That's his tent. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me upon a rock. So, you know, again, we, we want to just take consolation. God's got this. It's in his control. And, but, you know, but can we say, though, like some people take these quotes to indicate that if we really got the Holy Ghost seal, that we won't get the virus. You know, listen, as believers, we're not immune from sickness or death except spiritual death. And, you know, we had, we had Jack Cole, who, who was a great um, man of faith. He died of polio, 38 years old. Polio that he obtained in a prayer line. William Branham died in a horrendous car accident. Saints get cancer and other diseases, as sinners do. John the Baptist got his head cut off because of a drunken woman at a dance. Calamities happen to all mankind, believers and non-believers alike. But for there to be plagues and only those with the seal of God will be protected, that's for the tribulation when the plagues are caused by God under the ministry of Moses and Elijah. And we need to understand that before the seals, even brother to Brother Branham, now I, I want you to listen carefully. Even to Brother Branham, the book was closed. It had to be open to him. You see, before that, he was one who probed at it. He crossed up a lot of scriptures. He had a church view of the book of Revelation and even some other scriptures. And this is what made the Bible become a new book to him when the seals were open. And some of these quotes are no different from the ones that refers to the white horse rider of the first seal being Christ. We'd never preach that. We'd never send those quotes around, would we? That, that, that's, that would be Christ, the, the white horse rider of the book of Revelation. We wouldn't send that around. We wouldn't. We read that, we understand. The seals corrected that. Right? And so we know that when the revelation was given, it wasn't Christ at all. It was the Antichrist. As Brother Branham said in the first seal, he said, Oh, I would have absolutely today, I hope that people are spiritual. I would have had made a horrible mistake on that if it hadn't been for about 12 o'clock today when the Holy Spirit came in the room and corrected me on something that I was writing down to say. You see, the seals were um, a definite turning point, a corner that was turned in Brother Branham's understanding, and so must it be for us. And I want to say, so were the trumpets. Until the Feast of the Trumpets, Brother Branham was still of the opinion the bride would go through a squeeze of persecution and see a great display of power. And there are quotes on that. And later in the, uh, in the, uh, in the Feast of the Trumpets, there, and thereafter, he sees that the bride won't go through that time at all. 
You see, he clearly thought the trumpets was for us, that it was his job to, to reveal them. He was making plans to preach them. He, was, he had meetings that would be set up seven in a row where he'd take each one of the trumpets and explain them until God showed him different. You see, now that was a milestone or a marker or a junction of time or a corner that was turned in his ministry. And so there are many of these quotes and things that you have to judge according to the light that was given at that time. Because God showed clarity upon that. Now here's a supporting quote for that in the Feast of Trumpets. He says, oh, don't you see where we're at? Don't you see why them trumpets mean nothing to us? They all sounded under our sixth seal. You see why the Holy Spirit wouldn't let me speak it? And the Heavenly Father knows with this Bible before me, that's the truth. I didn't know till yesterday, day before yesterday, in my room there where he revealed it, come to me and spoke to me. And I come back and I said, wife, I got it now. He just met me in there and told me. And here it is, honey. See, see, it's perfectly in harmony. Oh, people without him, get in quick. It might be your last opportunity you'll ever be able to have. You don't know what time he might come. And the reason why he would say that is because scriptures that they were expecting still to be laying before them to be fulfilled had, had already been realized. Now, they're not even for us and we're raptured out of here before that time. So now, church, this is very, very crucial to understand in many of these quotes. He said, I didn't know to yesterday or the day before. And everything, so everything before mentioned about persecution and plagues must be understood in the light of this prophetic understanding. Now, this is no different than the white horse rider before the seals. You, you, you know, you, you've got to place these things correctly. Like I said, we want to enforce. We want to enforce our rights. But you don't want to try to be making things happen that doesn't apply to us. You, you, I want you to remember there are two Israels. Amen. You can look at one another and say two Israels. There's a natural people and a spiritual people. Amen. There's a natural seed of Abraham and a royal seed of Abraham. And there are two groups and both of them are God's chosen people. And the Jews have a natural land of what was once called Palestine. And the bride has a spiritual land of the Holy Ghost. And what God does with the Jews naturally, he does with the church spiritually. So one he's working with naturally, one he's working with spiritually. And Israel for 2,000 years or nearly 2,000 years have been out of their homeland. And they were dispersed and they wandered about out into other nations. Same with the church, the spiritual application. The, the church was dispersed and wandered about, not in the nations, but into denominations. And the, the seven trumpets call Israel back to their homeland, and following the trumpets is the day of atonement. Now, while at this, likewise, the seven gospel trumpets by seven church age messengers call the bride to the atonement. So you see, each one of them have their job. One of them's a natural, one of them the spiritual. Let's look at Leviticus 23, 23, and we'll get this. I, I think this is very, very wonderful. 
He says in Leviticus 23:23, then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the children of Israel saying, in the seventh month, on the first day of the month, you shall have a Sabbath rest, a memorial, a blowing of trumpets, a holy convocation. Let me stop right there. A holy convocation. That's a gathering, a holy gathering. That's what that means. It's interesting enough, a, a gathering of eagles is called a convocation. So where the carcass are gathered, or the carcass is, the eagles are gathered. Amen. There's a holy convocation where the word is. So now again, he says in verse 25, you shall do no customary work on it and you shall offer an offering made by fire to the Lord. Notice this. Let's notice particularly this was in the seventh month. So there was the Passover, which would happen at the beginning of the year. And then seven months later, the feast of the trumpets and these seven months also represent to us or type to us seven church ages so since calvary there has been seven months or seven church ages and we are now here at the feast of the trumpets in a in a spiritual sense now it is a memorial notice what it says ye shall have a memorial of blowing of the trumpets leviticus 23 23 a memorial of the blowing of trumpets now a memorial is to remind people of an event a past event that took place right so it's a memorial now the bible didn't say what the event was but there was an event where the trumpet blew loud and long. For there upon Mount Sinai, at the sound of the blowing of the trumpet, Moses spoke and God answered by thunder. And you, you have to see this in the translations because our King James Version doesn't bring it out exactly like that, but other translations do. So, so it's, it's bound to be there in the Hebrew. Because other theologians are bringing this out. Said it's a, he answered by, by thunder. And so, so you, you see the blowing of the trumpet was to bring Israel back to remembrance of when the word was given to the prophet Moses upon Mount Sinai. And Moses spoke and God answered by thunder. And when the trumpet sounded... So note the trumpet blows, God speaks, and his voice is like thunder. You can find this in Exodus 19. And in the book of Revelation, there are seven trumpets and seven thunders, and all of them sound their voices, and each are symbolic of something that God is doing on earth. Amen. Amen? So now the feast of the trumpets happen in the seventh month before the day of atonement. Now, the Day of Atonement was when Israel, the high priest, would offer an atonement for the whole nation. Amen. For all the people to be accepted. Now, this seventh month was, on, was a month of the last harvest or the harvest of harvest. It would be the final harvest of the year. Remember, there was a barley harvest at, at Passover. There was a wheat harvest at Pentecost. And then the last feast of the year was the seventh month, which happened in the fall of the year. And there was three feasts um, in that month. In the seventh month was three feasts. There was the trumpets, 
the Day of Atonement, and the Feast of the Tabernacles. Now, of course, we believe, of course, that the same thing happens for us here in this last seventh age. Amen. There is the, the trumpet call back to the Word. Amen. There is the Day of Atonement, not a new atonement, but back to the original atonement. And then the Feast of the Tabernacle, which, we, which is the millennium. So we're, we're coming right here at the end of the seventh age, ushering in the millennium, the Feast of the Tabernacles, where that we will, we will build houses and another will not inhabit because it'll be temporary during that thousand years. So that's the Feast of the Tabernacles was the Feast of Booths where they would take um, temporary little booths they would make of, out of shrubs and, and, and brush and whatever and make a little tent and sleep outside during the Feast of the Tabernacles to remember their journeying through the wilderness. And the millennial reign is the Feast of the Tabernacles where that we, we will dwell, live in houses and, and, we, and another will not inhabit and, and so on like that. And we'll long enjoy the works of our hands and we remember our journeyings here upon the earth as we live in temporary shelters. Because then it will be burned with fire and, and the, the new heavens and the new earth will come. So you can see it lays out perfectly and, and it all happens here at this last seventh month. Now, the seven trumpets of Revelation, they were to call Israel back to their homeland and to the atonement they rejected. Now, this last days has been the calling out time. Remember this. This is the calling out time. Brother Branham would place it. He said there was the martyr time. Then there was the reformer time. And now is the calling out time. All right? This is what he said in Feast of the Trumpets. The martyr time, we don't fulfill that. Amen. The reformer time, we don't fulfill that. The calling out time. That's where we're, where we're fulfilling. All right? So he says in the Feast of the Trumpets, paragraph 231. Now here is the calling out time at the sixth seal when opened the persecution struck the Jews in the literal standpoint. Here comes the persecution to the church in the ecclesiastical standpoint because the bride's already called. The Sabbaths are over. Why? Because we're at the end of the Sabbath, the seven church ages. We're here, as we've been explaining, the seventh month. All of the sevens are being fulfilled. And ready for the Jews to be called where? To the Feast of Atonement. Oh, church, don't you see that? Called to the Feast of Atonement. What? To recognize the atonement. Listen close. Not no more chickens and geese and what they've been doing, but the Lamb of God slain before the foundation of the world. Israel's going to know that. Now, remember, this is the original atonement, the Lamb of God. Amen. So, again, he, this is what they are going to be pointed to. No more chickens and geese, he says. Well, we can all say, well, it was never chicken and geese. Well, it might as well have been. Amen. For they had no atonement since they rejected the atonement at Calvary. Since they rejected God's Lamb. Well, they, they don't even have a temple. They don't even have a place to worship. Except their synagogues. It's not, it's not where God told them to worship. Amen. It's not where the temple was. And they, they've not been able to offer a lamb 
They can't even, they can't even do the, the red heifer. All of their, all the things, if, they, if it requires a blood sacrifice, those people are lost. In fact, all the world is lost that don't accept a blood sacrifice. And even those in the message today that say he's no longer the bloody sacrifice, you're lost. Because without that bloody sacrifice, you have no hope. So you see, again, no, it wasn't chicken and geese, but it might as well have been. They, they have had no atonement since they rejected the atonement at, at, at Calvary. And for spiritual Israel, the bride, the feast of the trumpet represents to us, you know, something, something you know, the spiritual Israel. It represents the seven gospel trumpets that have blown under the seven messengers calling the bride of every age to the atonement. And when the seventh angel, the last church age messenger, sounds his trumpet, his gospel message, on the last day of the feast, then we come back to the original atonement. The same Holy Ghost that was given at the beginning. Amen. Again, some of this that has been offered for atonement is no better than offering the chickens and geese. You see, it was, it was not the Holy Ghost, the blood of the covenant, but rather man-made traditions of shaking hands with the preacher or joining church or some Roman ritual. That's, that's, that's like offering chicken and geese. Amen. It's, it means nothing. It will not save you. Amen. Some Roman ritual or tradition will not save you. Amen. Even some of this that is being offered, this emotionless religion, this, this religion without experience, it will not save. And it doesn't deliver. And it's like an atonement of chicken and geese. You might as well not have an atonement. Amen. But I tell you, God has brought us back to the original atonement which is the baptism of the Holy Ghost, the blood of Jesus Christ coming in spirit form. Now, Brother Branham says on page, paragraph 291, now it's the same as the two prophets did. Remember, the Gentile bride is to have a prophet called Elias, Elijah. That is to call them out of their traditions. The bride, just the same as these prophets call the Jews out of Judaism to Christ, the atonement. And the Gentiles already know the atonement, but it's called the bride back to the original atonement. And what was the original atonement? It was the baptism of the Holy Ghost that came on the day of Pentecost. That's where the blood was applied. Amen. The lamb was shed at Calvary, his blood, but it was applied at Pentecost. And 120 were born of the blood of God. Are you with me? So, so again, it brings the bride back to the original atonement. So just as they have a prophet or two prophets to call them out of Jewish traditions back to the true atonement. So God sent a prophet in this day to call us out of the tradition of the ideas of the church ages and bring us back to the original baptism of the Holy Ghost with the same power, the same signs, the same wonders that he did back there. Hallelujah. So you see, it is to call us back as Gentile people back to the true atonement by a prophet to a holy gathering, to a convocation. 
amen, back to the word, a call back to word, to the word, to remember the original word and the original atonement that was given. Not at Mount Sinai, but at Pentecost. Hallelujah, because that's where the word came to be written in the heart. Was not there at Mount Sinai, but here at Pentecost. And this message brings us right back to the Pentecostal fathers one more time. Hallelujah. Back to the original atonement. Amen. The original word, the original atonement. The trumpets are something that have been overlooked and hasn't been spoken about a lot. But since we're in these troublesome times, it's important to look some of these things over really good. Because whole sermons have been preached for years of a coming squeeze and the bride's persecution and the belief that the power of the word is delayed until the squeeze comes. But but don't we understand that at this great junction of the Feast of the Trumpets, Brother, Brother Branham tells us the pressure that comes upon the bride is not in a physical manner. It's in an ecclesiastical manner. Now, ecclesiastical manner means by preachers. By doctors of the church. And that causes a squeeze on the people. Are you with me? Squeezing out what? Squeezing out the gifts of the Spirit. Squeezing out speaking in tongues. Squeezing out and banning divine healing. Discouraging prayer lines. Don't want altar calls anymore. Even worship. Don't want spiritual worship anymore. You see, and, and, and I want you to understand, that's the ecclesiastical squeeze. Amen. Brother Branham makes it clear in the Feast of the Trumpets that the bride receives her persecution in an ecclesiastical manner. Amen. This, this whole thing, you know, where some rose up against our worship and our praise unto the Lord is nothing more than an ecclesiastical squeeze. Trying to pressure us not to have the movement of the Holy Ghost in our midst. And God working among us. Are you with me? Amen. So you see this ecclesiastical squeeze bans the anointing. It bans the gifts of the Spirit. It discourages and prohibits speaking in tongues and divine healings and prayer lines and altar calls and worship. And again, I just say, like I said last Sunday, if this is a virus we need to be worried about because it don't just bring physical, it's not just physical death, it's spiritual death. Now, the church, talking about not the bride, the church will go through a time of tribulation, but not the bride. Let me share a few little quotations to support these. In the Thyatiran Church Age, page 228. He said, let me say right here that we have the very same thing going on right now. People all come together. They're writing a Bible that will suit everyone, whether it be Jew or Catholic or Protestant. And they have their own Nicene Council, but they call it the Ecumenical Council. And do you know what, and do you know who all these organizations fight? They fight the true Pentecostals. 
I don't mean the organization called Pentecostals. I mean the ones who are Pentecostal because they're filled with the Holy Ghost and have the signs and gifts and in their midst because they walk in truth. So notice what he says here. These organizations, now listen, it's an ecclesiastical spirit. See, we've been looking for a long time for the ecumenical council to come in and close our churches. And some are saying, oh, this is it, this is it. It's not it. It's a virus. It's the government giving a recommendation. Amen. It's not, a, not yet prohibited religion. It's they're just giving recommendations. Are you with me? And so it's not physical, but it's, you see this, this ecumenical move. You see that in your, among all your people that you work with, you're associated. Everybody's ecumenical minded. You can't say anything. Everything's got to be politically correct. You know, and you, you dare not, you, you know, it, you, you dare not uh, stand for the word of God. You're just mental. Right? You can't stand for truth. You're judgmental. You immediately, they kick you out. You can't say anything about sin. You can't say anything about, you know, what is wrong, that bisexual is wrong and homosexual is wrong and this uh, other sins are wrong. You can't say that no more. What is that? It's the squeeze. And everybody's got to be accepted. What is it? It's the squeeze. It's coming in an ecclesiastical manner, trying to shut us down. Trying to shut your witness down, your testimony down, even what we preach from the pulpit down. Are you with me? Amen. They fight the true Pentecostals. I don't mean the organizational call Pentecost. I mean the ones who are Pentecostal because they've been filled with the Holy Ghost and have signs and gifts in their midst because they walk in truth. Come on. The same thing that is happening. They're just like they would pay, put the, the star of David up on the, up on the Jews and, and they had to walk and they made that a sign of, of disgust. Come on. The very, very sign of their ancient heritage of King David and his kingdom. They turned it and made it a sign of disgust. Distrust. Hated. Right on down to the death camps. And that's what they want to do on you is pin on you a label, Pentecostal. Oh, you're, you're just a Pentecost. I mean, well, you know, you're, you're Pentecost because you shout. Well, what about it? If you don't shout, are you Baptist? Amen. Are you, are you Methodist? Are you Catholic? What are you? Amen. But, uh, but again, you know, it's, it's, it's like pinning on you a dirty name. Yeah. They'll call you a Pentecost. Well, we are true Pentecost. Amen. 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 Well, not the organization Pentecost. I mean the ones who are Pentecostal because they're filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen. And they got signs and gifts in their midst because they walk in truth. Amen. But you see, some will protest. But Brother Tim, we, we just got to have this persecution in order to drive us together to bring on the power for the rapture. You know, we, 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 we got to have rapture in faith. And, and so, you know, listen, listen to some of these quotes. So this is pre, pre-trumpets again. Brother Brandon said, how are we going to lose this great race? This isn't a paradox. 
1964, April the 18th, is because we're divided. How are we going to do it? We're going to stay together. We've got to stay together. We're all believers in God. The Holy Ghost takes us all in. It'll be a paradox if God ever gets us together, but he will. Just trust him. That virgin birth, he knows how to send the persecution that will run us together in a court trial again in April 64. Brother Branham preaches Feast of the Trumpets in, in July of 64. And he said, this, this is where I all knew all the Pentecostals groups come together then. It'll take a persecution to run you people together. You'll never believe it, but when that time comes, well, you know, that makes some assume, well, the body change isn't imminent then. And it can't take place until we're persecuted. And we got to have this squeeze so we can do miracles. And then, brother, we'll have, we'll have power then. And brother, then we'll have rapture and faith. And I want to just say to you, we already got the power. Amen. You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Amen. That's what gives you power, not persecution. Amen. Exactly. Amen. Amen. You see, we have the power. The message has come, and it's given us the faith for the rapture. Amen. Amen. It struck off every claim that was against us and gave us the abstract of title. Amen. Somebody with me right now. Amen. So you see, you see, this message is rapturing faith. It is what gives us the revelation for the rapture. It, 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 it illuminates the scriptures that pertain to us. Don't you see what I'm talking about? Amen. I've often used this example, and maybe this illustration will help somebody. But there's some of you that were caught in marriage situations. Horrible situation. Some of you married two, three times, living with a man that wasn't, you know, your husband. He's in, he had two or three wives and so on like that. And you were in horrible shape. Well, how could you go into rapture? You know, I, I mean, you were, you were in a mess. But God, through the opening of the seals, revealed to us that that has been forgiven. Don't go do it again. Well, that gives that divorced couple faith. They can go in the rapture. Yet they're living together. And they would have been living in adultery, but God gave them permission to live together and still go in the rapture. You see, rapture and faith lays in the message. Somebody with me? Amen. So here again, this is really important that we understand. This gives us faith. The message gives us faith for the rapture. Now, I want to say, and I, and I want to say that persecution did run the true Pentecostals together. This ecclesiastical persecution did drive true Pentecostals together. We came out of denominations. We fled into the land of the Holy Ghost where the word has preeminence. 
And right here in this church, right at evening like Tabernacle, we got Baptists and Methodists and Catholic and Pentecostals. All those true Pentecostals that were out there in those denominations. Somebody listening to me? Amen. Who have escaped the concentration camps of organized religion where you were skin and bones and dying condition and made to work in their organization for your salvation. Are you with me? But you escaped and you have been pushed out of your former church homes just like the Jews were pushed out of Germany and Italy and their homeland for years and years and persecution, ecclesiastical persecution because you couldn't hear the word preached there drove you out. God forced you out of there. Things just got worse and worse and worse till you fled. The third exodus, Brother Branham says it this way in his prayer. Heavenly Father, we look, we by faith look toward the future. I'm looking now by faith towards a coming something, Lord, upon the earth that's going to draw that people together. We see the denominational churches so pinning down and getting so different. It's it's really pushing the people out, just like it was in Egypt, a Pharaoh rising who knew not Joseph, as it was in Germany and up in Russia and Italy, and the people raised up uh, Josephs and Hitler and Stalin and, and um, Mussolini who hated the Jews, and they had to go back to their homeland. God, you got ways of doing things we don't understand. You pressed them. No home in Germany. Everything taken from them. Now remember this is a natural Israel. And also in Italy and Russia. No place to go. And they were sent back to their homeland. Just to fulfill the word of God. Amen. Oh the loving hand of God. How sometimes it looks cruel. The way that people suffer. But still it's the tender hand of Jehovah. Leading his children. We thank you Lord. Now, God, as I see the day, that denomination, watch now, that ecclesiastical spirit, that denomination is pressing the believers, excommunicating them, saying that their name must be upon their book or their loss, have nothing to do with the other group. It's only the tender hand of Jehovah leading them to the tree of life. I pray, God, that each one, I know they will because it's your word. It can't fail and may they be led to the tree of life that we might be a possessor of eternal life and see the hand of God and by the eyes of faith look beyond these shadows that we're walking in today and see the promised land just ahead. So you see, it did. I mean, when you look at that, it's going to take persecution to drive us together. It did. It's already happened. Amen. It's already driven us to the word. It's already driven us to our homeland. It's already placed us in a position. But for the Jews, it took natural force. For us, it took an ecclesiastical force. You wanted to hear this word. Amen. Now, in question and answers, uh, number one in 64... Brother Branham's asked the question, Brother Branham, will the bride go through the persecution as the early apostolic church did? No, I just explained that a few minutes ago. No, the next thing is a rapture now. 
Remember, we're at the promised land. We're at the border. You understand the marks of Israel. Amen. And the fifth seal explains. And, the, and there he explains on paragraph 433 and so on. He said, I, I was just thinking um, about how that John saw, um, uh, you know, saw that group. He saw his brethren. He saw the souls under the altar. He, uh, he saw the 144,000. He recognized all of them. Those were his brethren, right? Amen. And it's, it's his brethren that had to suffer a little while. He saw them there. And he said, and to think the Lord God permitted me to see my brethren and the saints that were waiting for the coming of the Lord. Notice, they're not under the altar of sacrifice. Mine wasn't, but these was. They were martyred. Mine wasn't under the martyr's altar. So God shows Brother Branham his group is not under the martyr's altar. Now, that doesn't mean there won't be persecuted people here or persecuted there. In this world, we have persecution. Amen. The different foreign lands and different places or different laws and, and whatever. And, and they, they have been under persecution for years and years. It's nothing new. But understand, the bride as a whole don't go through that time. She has seen that she's not under the martyr's altar. If I could just give some hope even to some Chinese people today. Amen. There's some hope right there to you that we're not part of the the martyrs. Although some of you may be martyred, but that's not what we're all called to be. Understand that. Amen. And so that gives you you some hope. It gives us hope that we won't go through the tribulation ahead where people give their lives for this gospel. But right now, you give your life for this gospel. You live your life for it. Amen. You you pour out a sacrifice. Amen. You leave the things of the world. You do what is right. It's a sacrifice. Amen. Some of you you are sitting back, you know, watching your brothers, your sisters go through the sacrifice and the persecution. And you, you want to be exempt from it. So you cut your hair and you paint your face and, and you live like the world. I want to say shame on you while others are dying for this truth. Or should I say living for this truth? Because that's what we're doing right now is living for it. Amen. In the Feast of the Trumpets, Brother Branham said, he said, as soon as the church, the bride is gathered together, it should be taken up. And that mystery of the seventh seal, or, or the seventh seal, the mystery of going. And the, church, the Jews is called by the mystery of the seventh trumpet, which is the two prophets, Elijah and Moses. And they come, they come back, and there's where the Pentecostals is all mixed up. They're looking for something to happen, and the church is done gone, and that's to the Jews. So you see, some, even the message, are still Pentecostal or church world religion in their thinking because they haven't turned the corner with the prophet. Amen. And they're all mixed up. And they're preaching, well, we got to go through persecution. Or, or we, we, you know, watch out, we're, we're going to be shut down. And here comes the squeeze and, and this. And ours is in an ecclesiastical manner. Right. 
Brother Branham is asked for the bride before Jesus comes. This is, again, question answers 1, 64. <laughs> will the bride be, before Jesus comes, will she raise, have all the power of the Holy Ghost, perform miracles, raise the dead, and so on, as in the latter reign, or is the latter reign for the 144,000 Jews, or will all ministers have this, or are we just waiting for the coming? And he says, yes. Then he says, Friends, I'm not a theologian. And I got to teach everything I know by the types. And he said, you can call me a typologist. He said, if I see my, the, the shadow of my hand, he said, I can see, you know, I, I get a glimpse of what's coming. And he said, as God dealt with Abraham, that's the way that God's going to deal with the church. <laughs> Excuse me. So he said, you look at the stations of Abraham's life. It comes like, and he types it from Luther to Wesley on down, on down. He said, he confirmed the, 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 to him the shed blood, the Philadelphian age. And, the, and that was the blood age, the Wesleyan age. And he said, what's the Pentecostal age? That he made the promise of El Shaddai, I nursed from me. And the question is, can you nurse? And he said, that was brought before the Pentecostals. And they grabbed for there abreast of denomination where they came out of. But he said, then the real seed that comes to nurse on the breast. Now, what he's doing is typing it, the Pentecostals, with Hagar and Ishmael. A wild seed, because he go right back into denominations. So he says, you know, they were offered the breast of El Shaddai. They were offered the full promise of the word. But instead, they took the breast of a denomination and took their evidence of the Holy Ghost is speaking in tongues. But then there comes a real seed, which is Isaac, who will nurse on the breast. Now, in other words, who will take the word? And he said, what was the last sign before the promised son that they waited on all these years come back? Was God standing in the form of man could discern the thoughts that was in Sarah's heart? Sarah being the church, representing the church, and discern the thoughts that was in the church that was even behind him. And immediately after that, she's changed to a young man. Our young woman and him a young man. And Isaac was brought on the scene. The promised son. I believe you are seeing the last thing that happened to the church before the rapture. I believe it. The reign is over. In other words, the final reign has come. This message is the latter reign. So people are looking for great power. It's here. Amen. It's here. It's, I'll tell you, most of the time it's untapped resources. But it's because you've let the doors of creeds and dogmas in message churches bind the moving of the Holy Spirit and won't let him move. And this is exactly what Brother Branham said. An ecclesiastical spirit bringing that persecution, banning the Holy Ghost, banning tongues, banning the gift, banning altar calls, banning the, the divine healing, banning. Now, but we have received the final revival. I'm just going to say it to you. Persecution won't bring it. If persecution would have brought the rapture and faith, they would have had it in the dark ages. Amen. So, but what will bring it? A message that turns the hearts of the children back to faith again, back to believing again. And God help us, if we're not going to believe, then who is going to believe? Somebody's got to believe it. 
Somebody's got to say it's true. Somebody's got to profess it as their own. Somebody's got to say, we're going to let the Holy Spirit move in its power. We'll have every sign, every wonder. We'll have healing. We'll have miracles. We'll have the Holy Ghost. We'll have the power of God. We're going to have it all. Somebody's got to stand up to it. Because he said, I'll have a bride and she'll be without spot or wrinkle. So his own word declares you're going to be here. I can't help but be here because I have been prophesied to be here. I've been chosen for this time and for this moment, and so have you. But we received the final revival, the latter rain. It's God back in flesh again. It's the Holy Ghost back in his full power. And God demonstrated what it would do. It would heal the sick. It would raise the dead. It would cast out devils. It would heal cancers. It would, uh, it, it, it would change lives forever. It would shake off Laodicean spirit. God showed what it would do. He showed it with a sign among us that he is here. That, and I want you to remember, those of you that are listening to me everywhere, remember the Son of Man, Jesus Christ, is here among us. He's never left us. Just because the prophet left the scene doesn't mean he left. God takes his man, but he don't take his spirit. His spirit is right here. He's working in the church. He's working in our midst. He's working right in your home this morning. As you lay hands on the sick, as you believe the word, as you speak his name. It's God in the flesh of his people. God in human flesh. We saw him in a prophet. He's got to be in bride form. It moves from, from the shout to the voice. And the shout, it was a prophet's message. But this phase of his coming is the bride coming. She's the voice of the resurrection. I'm the first one that raised from the dead after 2,000 years. We come out of dark denominationalism back to the full word again. He said, you notice the other day when we started them trumpets, the Holy Spirit said, that don't belong here. He said, no, latter rain, 144,000 Jews. No, that isn't. That's when Elijah and Moses, that's where, that's where the miracles take place. The things the people has been looking for, for Pentecostal, for miracles, that'll take place. It's under them. See, that's Elijah and Moses. They'll smite the earth with curses often as well. They'll close the heavens that it don't rain the days of their prophecy. God will fight and stand and fight for them like he did. He'll bring them out under a mighty hand just like he did in Egypt. Out of these isms of the world, he'll do that. He'll stop the plagues among them like he did in Goshen. Amen. Amen. He doesn't stop all the plagues that comes here. Why? Because he expects you with faith to stand up and declare the word of God and overcome it. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We're just to wait on the coming of the Lord. Keep your lamps trimmed, all filled with oil. Pray up every hour, not every day, every hour. Keep ready, be ready, be sweet, be watching. And then he began to he said, sing that song. We're watching for the coming of that glad millennial day when our blessed Lord shall come and catch his waiting bride away. Now, see, church, this is what we're to look for. We're to look and expect the coming of the Lord. So, well, you, it can't happen yet. You're wrong. It's, it is happening. Amen. They asked him again. If standing in line... 
to get in the church is going to be only a memory because Brother Branham said, you know, doing what you're doing now and trying to come in the church and stand in line. One day, folks, this will just be a memory. And they said, if it's just going to be a memory, what's going to happen if we're not going through the tribulation? Are we going to be seeing some suffering if we're not? And he says, look, these people are wanting to say, thinking the church is going to hit the tribulation. Because, but he said it won't because it's already been redeemed. He said, now the church, the nominal believers like Lot, he's going to go through the tribulation, be saved as it was by fire. Noah went through the tribulation, period. Carried above it and came out with Ham who polluted the earth again. And Lot came out. His own daughters slept with him and had children by his own daughters. But Abraham brought forth the royal seed, brought forth the seed of the promise. And Enoch went to glory in the rapture, just took a walk and went home. He never went through the tribulation period. Hallelujah. Amen. And Enoch's the type, the seventh from Adam. Those in the seventh church age who are going to be changed in a moment and a twinkling of an eye. Amen. Enoch wasn't persecuted so he could be changed. He didn't have to go through persecution so he could be changed. He walked with God so he could be changed. And that's our duty. Keep your lamps trimmed. Stay steady. Don't, don't, don't get discouraged in this hour. Keep your eyes on the goal. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Otherwise, the storms will take you. But the church will go through the tribulation, but not the bride. And they, then he said, on, and this is paragraph 232 in question and answers 2. Now, people say, well, what about the early saints? That was the changing of dispensation. That was under persecution, which if you hear this church ages, um, and to see they went out in the darkness and had to do that, it shows where they had to take that persecution because each of the church ages and everything began to show they went into darker and darker. See, the bride of that age did go through persecution till they went finally in complete place. They denied his name. Picked up another name. They lived and were dead. Sardis. And then come on Thyatira, Sardis. And came out. Came to Philadelphia. And on and so forth. And then come to the call of the time of the calling out of the bride. Which was to escape all the damnation. It's accounted worthy to escape all this damnation and wrath that's to come up on the earth. That you might be counted worthy to escape it. Not go through it. Escape it. See, do you understand now, everybody? So again, you know, they, they were allotted tribulation. They were the bride in the dark ages, and they, uh, tribulation was their allotment. But it, we're not in the martyr time. Neither are we in the reformer time. We are in the calling out time, where the trumpet calls, the gospel trumpet calls us back to the original atonement. Now, hope you still got plenty of time for dinner. But let's go on just a little more. I want you to see in question and answers number two. He was asked, will the foolish virgin be saved? And he said, no, what happens happens now. After that, she's in the state. And of course, you know the state. He doesn't finish it here. But he that's filthy is filthy still. He that's holy is holy still. Now, she will have to go through the tribulation. And the reason of it is because she rejected the atonement in its fullness. See, they reject, they took 
shaking hands, I believe on Christ, this is a sacrifice, but they didn't take the fullness of the atonement, which is the true baptism of the Holy Ghost. And so therefore, they didn't come and receive the true atonement in its fullness. She is a believer, a professed believer, but she'll have to go through the tribulation period. The Bible said, and the rest of them, the dragon spurted out water out of his mouth to go and make war. What an hour that is. And that is, of course, the last verses of Revelation 11, I believe it is. Now, so she, she rejects the atonement in his fullness and goes into the tribulation period. Feast the trumpet. He said, now here is the calling out time. The sixth seal when it's open, persecution struck the Jews. In the literal standpoint, and comes a persecution to the church in the ecclesiastical standpoint because the bride is already called. So this ecclesiastical persecution drove the bride out of denominations, but the ecclesiastical persecution or excuse, yeah, drove the, the ecclesiastical, listen closely, the ecclesiastical persecution drove the bride out of denomination, but the ecclesiastical persecution drives the church into the tribulation and then it turns physical. So you see, the pressure is on everybody, ecclesiastical. It's on the bride and the church. On the bride, it forces her back to the word. To the rest of them, it pushes them into concentration camps and, and their safety believing in, in Baptist, Methodist, Presbyterian, Catholic organizations. And they wind up in the tribulation where, where it turns physical. Would you like to see that? Let me, let's look at Revelation 11 and the last couple of verses there, if you will, please. Let's, let's just see Revelation. Is it 11? Okay. Let me just look real quick, real quick. Where we're talking about the remnant of the woman's seed. That's Revelation 12, isn't the last the last verses, okay, yeah, and so in, in um, Revelation uh, 12 and verse 17, what's now? And the dragon was wroth with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. So you see, then war is made against the foolish virgin. And there's a multitude of them in Revelation 7 that have washed their robes in the blood of the Lamb and made them white. And they come up out of great tribulation. Now listen, Brother Branham. He says, now I'm going to say something. Is recognizing your day in this message right after Feast of the Trumpets. National force put Israel in her homeland. National force will put the church in the world council of churches. But the power of God will put people in the bride. The world forces this way, the world forces that way, but God forces upward. And the Spirit of God, which is the Word of God, my Spirit, as my Word is Spirit and life, will put the bride in her place because she'll recognize her position in the Word. Then she's in Christ, will put her in place. No national force will do it. But the national force did drive Israel into the homeland. And the national forces of the Catholic Church, uh, Council of Churches will drive every organization into it. But the 
power of God will raise the bride into glory out of it. What a promise that is. And then, of course, feast and the trumpets. He told us that he said there was a spirit of Antichrist upon them, bringing them to slaughter just like they did in the other in the hour to call the bride. How loosed in the ecclesiastical church spirit, loosed upon what? Not upon denominations, upon the bride. Now, here you get it. The bride will not go through that time. The Bible says not. The church will, but not the bride. Can't you see ministers? Can't you see brethren? The, you say the church has got to go through the persecution for the perfection of it. The blood of Jesus Christ perfects the bride. A man who chooses his wife, don't put her through a lot of punishment. He's already found grace too with her. She's found grace with him. He engages to her. And if anything, he'll keep her from every place to turn her hand. His grace is so great upon them. Amen. But I will tell you that we have been in a time of trouble. And this age is the last age. And it's full of trouble. And I warn you, it will only get worse. It'll wind up in the tribulation period. And as we go closer to it, you're going to feel more and more the winds of that tribulation. But I want you to know, in the midst of all of this, there is a great prince which standeth in the time of conflict. And he standeth for the children of thy people. And I want you to know, as you're looking at the news, where this virus, I've done called it a demon. Amen. Supernatural devils are going to the land. Maybe you've been attacked. Maybe cancer has attacked you. And I'm talking specifically to some of you. Supernatural devils, and you're under attack. They're going through the land, and they're fallen angels. Angels of death. Jesus called sickness devils. And this brings a time of great trouble. And as a nation, our nation, and as a world, our world, is a time of great trouble. I said, God bless you, Brother Caleb, Sister Shalom, and those gathered with you right now in, the, in the India who can't, who can't meet right now because you've been shut down. And I greet you all around the world, wherever you are, in Europe, some of your same places, some in America, 50 or more, or less, I mean. But, you know, it's a time of great trouble. Some of you have got personal attacks. You're already attacked. Maybe it's cancer in your body. Perhaps it's a diabetic condition. But it's a spirit. It's an enemy. It's a demon. And I just want, I want you to look away from the bad news. And I want you to look to the good news. And the good news is, I saw another mighty angel. That there is an anointing that has come down from heaven that is anointing a people on the earth and causing her to believe. Hallelujah. And I want you to know you're not alone. You are anointed. And there is war. And maybe, maybe it's been 21 days. Maybe it's been longer than 21 days. Maybe it's been a long time. Maybe it's been a spiritual drought. I don't care how long it's been. I want you to know the angel has stood up on your behalf. Amen. 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 And he's coming to the 
aid of, of Gabriel who is coming to bring you a message that it's the time of fulfillment. That we're living in the day and the hour where there's angelic wars that are going on. And what you are seeing in the world today is an angelic war. And I want you to know you've got God on your side. You're not alone in this. You're not facing this by yourself. God knew it may have come like a trap upon the earth, but it didn't come like a snare and a trap to God. He knew about it long, long time ago. And he put in the scripture, in that day, Michael shall stand up. And if he's standing up for Israel, he's got to be standing up for the bride because you're Israel. Amen. They're the natural. We are the spiritual. Whatever is happening there is happening here. Come on. And God has fought their battles. God's fighting your battles. You're not fighting this alone. Satan's anointing. You're trying to anoint your faith with all the bad news. All the bad news. Maybe it's the bad news from the cancer lab. Maybe it's the bad news from the doctor. All of these things are coming in your ear right now. But I want you to know there's a battle going on that's going on in your mind. There's a war. The war for your faith. To turn your faith into unbelief or to turn, turn your heart to believing. And I want to say you're a believer. Turn to believing. In the book of Daniel, a book of, in the book of Revelation, Michael is shown as a messenger of war. He fights through the realms of darkness against the prince of Persia to bring a message to Daniel. And in the book of Revelation, it shows him prevailing against Lucifer and his angels. I want you to know, you know, you're looking for prophecy. Look at the prophecy. Michael fights against Lucifer and his angels and he prevails. I want you to know it's already written in the book who's going to win. You cannot lose this battle. You are a winner. Daniel chapter 10 gives a fascinating account of Gabriel, an archangel who was hindered for 21 days because of the prince of Persia. And then Michael came to help him. And he got through to Daniel to reveal to him his day, his hour, and give him the promise of restoration. And I want you to know an angel has got through to the bride in this last day with a message. A message. I'm not going to leave you here. I'm not going to leave you in Persia. I'm going to take you back to your homeland. I'm not going to leave you in, in sin and darkness and this evil age. I'm taking you in a rapture. And the message has gotten through. Let's look at this for a moment. Hebrews 1.14. Are not angels, all angels, ministering spirits, sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? So look here, they're ministering spirits. Jesus received the comfort of angels after his temptation. He received comfort and strength from angels after Gethsemane to go to the cross. Are you with me? I 
I'm trying to tell you, you are a believer here. Paul received the comfort of an angel who told him, you're not going to perish, but you're going to make it. Amen. We have received the comfort of an angel. I want you to know this message is the only message with an angelic visitation that came night after night after night after night to confirm, I'm with you, I am with you, I am with you. I know your situation, I know your, your care, and I have the power to defeat that devil, and I can make him leave you. It set prisoners free. People who were prison in a crippled condition, in spiritual conditions, in blind conditions. Matthew 18, 10. What if you're one of the little ones? See that you don't despise one of these little ones. For I say unto you that they're angels. Continually see the face of my Father who is in heaven. I want you to know there is even your angels are interceding on your behalf. Beholding your Father's face. Come on. He's not only Jesus' Father, he's our Father. Amen. Angels there taking back messengers. They're, they're believing down there. Amen. They've been in this battle. They've they go, gone through this suffering. They're, they're here. They, they don't see how they can make another night. They don't see how they can go another day. They're in a desperate situation. Father, move. Not only that, but the prayers of the saints go up there before the throne, knock on his door. And I'll tell you, we got to knock and keep on knocking and ask and keep on asking and seek and keep on seeking. We must never, ever give up. Psalms 34 and 7, the angel of the Lord encamps about those who fear him. I want you to know can't be with you maybe in your quarantine but he can he's right there in that home with you right now the angel of his presence camps about them that fear him and I love this part and everybody say it with me and delivereth them and delivereth them He's not only there, he's delivering you. He's there fighting your battle. He's there helping you in this war of doubts and concern and trust and mistrust. And, oh, you know, where, where you seem like you're on a wavering sea. And you don't know what to believe. And these quotes are thrown in that. And this is thrown in that. And you're wondering this and you're wondering that. He's there. Psalms 91.11, he will give his angels charge concerning you to guard you in all your ways. You're not alone. He is there. So what, Brother Tim, what if, 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 and I hear the tremble, what if I, I get, what if I die? 
All death can do is take you into his presence. So what if you die? You escape just the same. I was listening to Brother Branham and listening to the report of where he was in the Jonesboro meetings. And he went to get Sister Mita, who was joining him for the last day of those meetings where he's eight days and nights in the prayer lines. And he went to get Sister Mita. I don't know, maybe met her at a train station or bus station or somewhere. Got her, brought her there, had to park blocks away to get to the, where the meetings was. There's no parking. As he was going in, a little ambulance driver comes waving at him and, and just, you know, trying frantically to get his attention. He said, are you calling me, sir? Yes, I'm calling you. said, uh, please come quick. There's a woman here who's dying if she ain't dead. He said, I can't go there. There's thousands of people and I, I, I can't show, you know, preference here in this time like this. I can't. But he said, the man, he, he's, he, he's in desperate condition. His wife is dead. He's, can't you just come and comfort him? Just a little prayer, anything. It, you know, I, I can't stand to see this old man. He's brought his wife. She's had cancer in the female glands and, 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 and was all wrapped around. They couldn't do surgery and now she's dying and they've sold everything they could to hire me to come and, and this ambulance to come to the meeting and now she's dead. He said, well, just call an undertaker. He said, no. He said, please come offer at least a word of comfort. Please, sir. If, if, if it was you, you. And Brother Brandon said, okay. So they made a way and some of them said, we'll help you get there and a bunch of ushers got him through the crowd and got him down into there. He said he got in there and said there was an old man with some patched up overalls. He's, and he was crying and he said, oh, mama's dead, mother's dead. And he said, oh, but, but how, how could this be? So we, we were believing with all our hearts and we're trying to get here to the meeting and we just didn't make it in time and now she's dead. He said, are you, the, are you the doctor? He said, no, I'm Brother Branham. He said, well, what would you pray for? He said, well, yeah, I'll offer a word of prayer. But he felt a relief and there was no pulse. Furthermore, he took her by the, her right hand by his left hand and there was no moving of, those, of those, that cancer which would move on his arm as a sign of that, of that life that would reflect against him. Now, the reason I'm saying this, even if death does take you, the cancer dies, it dies too, but you still live. You can't die. So you're going to win no matter what. No matter which way you go, you're going to die in faith. If that's the way you go through death, you're going to die in faith. But the demon will die too. But you will still be living. Amen. One breath beyond here. Amen. That's why you can stand with every cancer victim or anybody else with dies of, of a germ disease and, and say, look in the casket, this man's still living, but that demon's dead. Brother Bram said, there was no life. So he said, I just began to pray said, Lord Jesus, you understand this man has sold everything that he had. 
sold uh, his farm and different things to get her the surgery and that didn't work and sold his now they sold her blackberries and some quilts and ordered to make the trip here and now she's gone and as he's praying like that he felt his hand her hand squeeze his and he opened his eyes for a moment and he looked and to see it still seemed like she was still dead so he just said that was my imagination he just kept praying there and 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 in a moment again, she squeezed his hand again. And, and he opened his eyes and was looking at her and said, he could see the muddy, the muddy waters coming out of her eyes. And all of a sudden her eyes flick open and become not clouded anymore, but clear. And she looks up at him and says, who are you? Are you the doctor? And he said, no. I'm Brother Branham. And as he began to talk with her, the dad sitting over there with his head down and crying, he began to say, Mother, 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 you're alive, you're, you're living. And he said he felt of her hand and the cancer was dead. There was no life in it. He said she was healed by the glory of God. And I just want to say to you, you see, that was because of an angelic visit. And I want you, the angel of his presence accomplishes, accompanies this message. And there is a war that is going on and he has stood up on your behalf. That even, even in death, he'll raise you up. Even in sickness, he'll make you well. Amen. That there's no disease known to man that this God doesn't have the remedy for. And he will give his angels charge concerning thee, little bride, to guard you in all your ways. Exodus 23, 20. And let's go back to their Exodus. And how many believes we're in an Exodus? Amen. Listen, I am sending an angel ahead of you to guard you along the way and to bring you to the place that I have prepared. And I want you to remember, I want to remind you, Shall I blow a trumpet to you? Amen. A gospel trumpet. A memorial. A reminder. That there is an angel that accompanies this message. And no message has been vindicated by an angel like this message. Jack Coe had blind faith. Or Roberts told his audience, just imagine Jesus standing there. And that Jesus was right here. But this messenger, he didn't imagine anything. He didn't have blind faith. Amen. He, he had an actual visible presence of an angel. And many saw that angel. And pictures were taken of that angel. And that light that surrounded his presence. And those who didn't see it. Were like me. I didn't see the angel, nor did I see the light. But I, I like when you see the wind and it blows the trees, I saw the effects. Amen. As it discerned the hearts, as it called out sickness, as it spoke to different individuals, and me as a living 11 year old boy, I saw the effects of that angel as he passed through the congregation. Hallelujah. Amen. I didn't see an angel when Sister Lana was healed, but he was here. 
I didn't see an angel when he swept through the room. Amen. And you can just say, oh, it just was happenstance at that moment. Sister Karen, her, her brain, her brain bleed dissipated in her brain and, and the swelling went down. And at that moment, sight came back. But explain to me how a little crippled boy who had never walked, couldn't pull up, couldn't take a step. Are you with me? Amen. Jumps up. Uh, doesn't take his first step walking. Doesn't take his first step stumbling. That baby got up out of that floor and ran around the room all through the house and my my eyes were watching following him around watching in amazement the working of the holy spirit as a crippled boy walked and my wife could see amen i hadn't maybe seen the angel but i've seen the effects Amen. And I see the effects upon this, the very gospel that we have. It changes life. It, amen. It turns men from sin and darkness into life. It is the angel of his presence. And he said, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. Amen. <laughs> I'm going to try to close on this because I've got enough. Till six o'clock tonight. It could probably go longer. But I haven't heard his voice since a child. It was at the age of 37. After being told over and over by the clergy and fellow ministers that God didn't heal no more. Remember the church Brother Brandon was in was a Baptist church. They didn't believe in healing. When you think of it like this, when he went to Milltown, got an old apple box, and I watched as I went through the steps of a prophet just being led by the Lord, didn't know what to do. And I, I know it gives me a lot of comfort because there's a lot of times you don't know where you're going to put your foot next. He tried this and he tried that. He went and bought him my apple car, uh, apple crate, and stepped up on it and said, but no words would come to his mind. And he was just stumbling around to try to say something, thought he'd preach on the street. And that wasn't working. He wasn't anointed for that. So Brother Wright came by and said that because that, he'd went together with him. So well, well, why don't you just go with me? Why don't you just go with me down to... To, I'm going to sell some eggs to a man and won't you go with me there and he passes by church and he feels and knows a very strange spirit and he goes there door is locked so he don't know what to do now and he sits there on the steps a man comes up said you want in here said I've got the key but because that they put on the flyer inviting people to a meeting it was an old abandoned church the city had taken over they got permission that day to hold a meeting. They put on the flyer. Brother Wright thought, he was, thought it would be good, you know, and put on there another little Billy Sunday. Thought that would attract. But down at the bottom said, bring the sick and the afflicted. We pray for the sick. And because of that, nobody would come to the meetings. That night, he would preach to, to three people, three or four people, Brother Wright his son and daughter and maybe his brother Wright's wife. Big empty building. The next night, 
A man steps to the door, knocks his pipe out, and said, I want to see that little Billy Sunday. And Brother Wright said, come in, have a seat. And runs up and tells Brother Branham, said, that's the hardest man in the city. He owns the rock quarry down here. He said, he's, he's a hard. They invite him to come down front to sit. He said, no, I'll sit here in the back. I'll watch this part. You watch yours. Really hard. Brother Branham went and pre- started preaching. Preached with all his heart. That night, at the end of that service, that man, Bill Hall, came down to the altar and gave his heart to Christ. Surrendered his heart. Now they got one person. Bill Hall goes back to the quarry and tells all his employees, get down here to this meeting. You got to hear this man preach. Changed my life. He invites his neighbors. The next night they got about 18. At the end of the meeting there, that night, they called for those who are sick and, and they have prayer and people are healed. People with cancer, people in other situations are healed. Noise goes out. The next night they have, uh, you know, uh, many more. And finally, they got a building full. And finally, you know, but, but again, you know, in all of this, you see, it was the Holy Spirit movement and the angel of God leading and led him right down to Mealtown where a little girl was crying out, trapped in the prison of her own body and brought deliverance to little Georgie Carter. Amen. And it was all because of the angel of his presence. And it goes to show you, no matter where you are and how the ecclesiastical spirits that say the days of miracles are past, and they had banned anybody, said anybody goes to that church meeting where that man's praying for the sick. We don't believe in that. We'll excommunicate you from the church. Can't you see? It was an ecclesiastical spirit bringing a persecution. But the little lambs were getting it anyway. And that's the thing with you. The word, it cannot be kept from God's elect. It's going to find you somewhere. And it found you. I want you just to stop for a moment because that was Georgie's only healing. In 1954, she gets breast cancer and she's dying again. And there's no hope. But the angel of God comes to rescue again. Heals her of her breast cancer. And she lives into the 1990s, 1998, I think. 84 years old, ripe old age. Why? Because of this angel. What am I trying to tell you? I'm trying to tell you there's an angel going to the land. Scientifically, they've named it COVID-19. It came from eating unclean animals. People that just use some Bible guidelines, you know, of cleanliness and uncleanliness, maybe this wouldn't even have crossed over into humans. But these heathen people do this. So it crosses, crossed over from bats or snakes or something there and crossed over into humans and mutates and comes in. And now there's a spirit going through the world. 
And people are shaking in their boots. But at that time, Michael shall stand up. I want you to know you're not alone, little bride, wherever you are around the world. We're not going through the tribulation. And persecution is not what we need for a body change. We have received the message for the body change. You want to talk about that final quicken. When we see the dead arise, we're going to be changed immediately to be like them. We've already received the last sign. I've been telling you, you're on display and you're it. Because you are the last sign. God in human flesh. Manifested through a prophet, now manifested in bride form. I want you to be a sign to the world that Jesus Christ lives. And he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Don't doubt and don't fear. Believe. Only believe. All things are possible. Nothing can harm you. Not even death. Because if death would hit you, the Spirit of God's going to raise you up. Remember, divine healing, it, it is the earnest of the resurrection. We got to have it. And you got to get sick to be healed. Otherwise, we wouldn't have divine healing. We'd have divine health. You know, we don't. We have mortal bodies. But there is a healer. And I want you to put your faith in him this morning. As a musician comes and we try to wind this down, maybe I can speak about this a little more in a further service on how to enforce it, how to be on display. But I want you to understand the Holy Spirit is here to enforce, to enforce that word against your enemy. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of God will lift up a standard against him. Put your faith in it right now. Reach out. Reach out and touch the Lord as he passes by. Seems like we sung that song last Sunday, but let's sing it again. I want you wherever you are in your home. If you're over in South Africa, Brother Caleb saying, and the believers there with you, whoever might be streaming in that area, little sister Shalom, Brother Caleb, mom and dad. I love all you folks. God bless you. It moves my heart to hear about the attack the devil's done on you. Brother Ron, there's been many, many tears gone forth on our behalf, going on for your behalf, laying on the floor saying, God, oh God. Every waking moment of the night. Jonathan, he's a healer for you. You wrote me during the night. I prayed for you. He's a healer for you. Kenneth, Loretta, he hadn't forgot you. Our aged people that's not able to come to church. Someone's been quarantined for a while. Holla's family up in Arkansas. He's not forgot you. You may be sitting in your little room today with your little family gathered. It's time to make a prayer altar. It's time to come to Christ. Get fall in love with Jesus more than you've ever been. Invite him to come, will you? Ask him to come to your heart. If you, you're not sure, you got no peace. You have no anchor. 
Maybe you're about to do it and think, you know that's wrong. You know that's wrong. God bless you. You're thirsty. You've been trying things in the world to satisfy it. Because you hadn't come and drank. You hadn't come and drank. You hadn't valued. You hadn't valued the wine of this word, the stimulation power that had changed you. You hadn't valued it. You hadn't drank of it. Maybe you've been on a church pew for years. And you just never had that sincerity and never had that real dedication. Don't you want the angel to stand up for you? Is there a little lamb maybe in your heart that's crying out, Jesus? Maybe that's why you cut off your hair, because you've been thirsting for God, but you tried to do something else to satisfy. Maybe the ecclesiastical persecution war upon you. Oh, ain't nothing wrong. Oh, it's just ecumenical. Oh, God, you know, I, I just want to fit in. Fit in with what? I'm asking you to turn to Jesus. Wherever you are, turn to him. No, you got to have your hair down to the floor and dragging the floor. Us having to lift it up six foot down behind you, that didn't save you. That's not it. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And then your, my commandments aren't grievous. You love to do what's right. You're willing to be on display a sign to the world. I'm a Nazarite. I'm consecrated to God. I'm not part of this world. Maybe it's time you go through your, through your life. You make your home a place where Jesus wants to be. Maybe it's time to fuss and the fighting that's going on in the home between you. You and your husband and wife are getting down on your knees and say, we've got to come to Jesus. we got to escape. If we're having a dress rehearsal here and things are getting bad now, how do I escape? What's coming? I want to be ready. Will you make that choice right now wherever you are kneel down there in your room begin to call out to God begin to ask him Jesus don't pass me by I need you for you will find he's not too busy he will hear your hearts cry and he's passing by this moment, your needs to supply. Reach out and touch the Lord as He goes by. Just reach out, touch the Lord as He passes by.
and you will find he's not too busy he will hear your hearts cry that's him passing by passing by this moment your needs to supply reach out and touch the Lord as he goes by we lay hands on the sick it's a physical touch it's a physical touch we can't touch you maybe this morning but you can touch Jesus maybe just for physical contact those of you that are sick you wouldn't reach over and get your Bible and just put your hands on the Word of God because it's God in print form and just by faith say I lay my hands on this promise and I claim it for myself today sickness can't stay any longer perfect love casts out all fear I have perfect love amen that's the Holy Ghost I'm gonna pray for you right now as you lay your hands on your Bible once you claim your promise there's no sickness can stand before the name of Jesus that at the name of Jesus every knee has to bow and every tongue has to confess that he's Lord as you lay your hands on your Bible and those maybe around lay your hands on the sick father we believe your word of promise right now Lord God is the sick under the sound of my voice they need a touch from you Lord right now I pray oh God they'll be touched as you can be touched by the feelings of our infirmities that you'll feel their need and right now that the demon that's oppressing them will leave their body and they will be healed I claim it by the virtue of the name of Jesus Christ and the promise given to us as believers right now in Jesus name now Satan take your hands off of God's property it don't take my physical presence to be there and it don't even take my voice coming through the internet or the ether waves or however it comes I speak out into the dimensions of the unseen and as a son of God by faith I live myself in that dimension and I speak to that demon that same demon that had to leave the servant boy when Jesus did the same maybe he was miles away but he spoke into that realm and the servant lived same thing that happened when a prophet was there in his home in Jeffersonville kneeling down at a footstool and his wife was there going to the doctor and said before the doctor's hands touch her may she be healed I speak it in the name of the Lord the same one who commissioned me to speak so that there would be money for Japanese and Lord spoke so many things right here for this building I speak it right now healing to them for the glory of God and I say Satan you can't stay any longer in Jesus name I claim the blood that was shed at Calvary in Jesus name Amen
Love. 
Jesus is here. Oh, Jesus is here. Hallelujah. Jesus is here. 